This is MSG Mic'd Up with the latest news and stories from across the joint base. Welcome back, everyone, to episode three of MSG Mic'd Up. We have a special guest. This is our first guest producer. So we have Master Nicole Hahn, who's working up on the MSG CAG. I'm going to turn it over to you, Nicole. Thanks. Hi again, this is Master and Han from the MSG CAG, and I'm here with Chief Select Anderson. How are you doing, sir, from the Med Group? I'm well, thank you. And you? Good. So today we're going to talk about special duties, since myself and Chief Select, I love saying that, by the way. It's a little, a little weird for <laughs> it me is, still. Is but it? That's all right. It's not weird for it's me. It's going to take me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we're going to talk about special duties, So since both he and I have been in um, special duties being MTIs, and then also I was over at the Air Force Academy. We're going to discuss how it kind of shaped us as Airman Big A. So my first question to you, Chief Select, is how did your special duties shape you as an airman? So I think that my special duty shaped me as an airman primarily, well, there's a bunch of different ways that it shaped me. Uh, The first is I think that it gave me a much more clearly defined sense of uh, what the enlisted core is there for and what our roles and our responsibilities are and how we kind of interact with our counterparts. But it shaped me as an airman also in that it gave me um, a certain skill set to be able to function at higher levels of responsibility and leadership, to function as a senior NCO, right? Things that are there, things that, you know, we, we preach about um, and that we are taught through PME, through professional development opportunities, um, but that maybe aren't necessarily as much at the forefront of what we do every day as like our primary, our primary jobs, our primary responsibilities. So realistically, most of what I learned about leadership, like 90% of what I learned about leadership, I learned during the five years that I was a military training instructor. Exactly. I feel the same way um, in both of those special duty career fields as a military training instructor and, and also as a academy, academy military trainer. Um, when you're taught things in PME, uh, with your troops, depending on how many troops you have, it all, de- it depends on the scenario if you're able to actually execute those things that you were taught in PME, right? So I think that as in those kind of special duties, you have so many different either trainees or cadets, cause you dealt with cadets as well, mm-hmm. oh, down at, um, Lackland. Right. And, um, it gives you the opportunity to explore how to, uh, use those leadership tools with different kinds of personalities. Yes, absolutely. And the personalities piece is the key to it, right? So um, I definitely think that uh, – so it's kind of unique because the Air Force, right, we've always kind of – I don't want to say we struggled with the service identity, right, but it's yeah. one of those hot topics. It's one of those things that's always discussed, right? So I have a medical background, right? And so in the Air Force Medical Service, the culture is very different than – in logistics background like yours is versus, you know, the flight line versus the flying community, whatever it may be. Um, And so within those cultures, right, uh, I would say that there's a varying degree as to how much the personalities drive certain decisions um, and how we kind of interact with each other. Uh, I know over in the medical group, right, so we have (laughs) – it seems like we have just as many officers as we have enlisted individuals, right? And so how we interact and how we conduct business is maybe very different than, than in other uh, areas of the Air Force, right? So making sure that, that we are interacting appropriately, I would say, 
is is probably the the biggest takeaway that I took away from that and something that I brought back with me and it's definitely caused some 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 <laughs> very interesting conversations some some heated discussions uh, with some of my senior NCO peers and then and my even my NCOs when we're behind closed doors and I start asking them like what were you thinking and I open up those lines of communication um, but I definitely think that it has made me more effective in my environment. Yes, I agree. I think that, you know, even at the academy, because at the academy, the Air Force Academy, the enlisted corps is very small, right? So um, being able to have the opportunity to go and learn how to advise a commander is something big, I think, especially as a tech or a tech sergeant or a master, brand new master sergeant, it's very important for them to um, see that and understand how to advise a commander. And I think that job right there kind of sets them up for success to be a superintendent. In the MTI career field, were you able to have that kind of opportunity as, a, as far, far as advising a commander to set you up for chief? So, no, but you also got to keep in mind that when I was down at Lackland, right, so I was there from 2010, the summer 2010 to summer 2015, right, and really it was 2013. So the sexual assault scandal happened in 2012. 2013 was the year that really everything changed down there. Yes, I do. So I spent two years in an environment, well, three years really, where the only officer that we ever had, that we ever interacted with, was the squadron commander. And even then, the squadron commander, I mean, was in the tunnel area, was, you know, making sure that all the administrative stuff was taken. But realistically, it, it was a huge amount of autonomy that staff sergeants had during that time period. Um, and then, you know, they flipped the switch and then we had an operations officer and each squadron had an assigned chaplain and then there were four flight commanders that were in the mix and and it was a complete game changer right and so there was definitely a lot of growth not just for the officer but definitely for the enlisted on how we interacted with each other and how we conducted business at that time i would say that as far as advising the commander and how that special duty set me up for success to become a superintendent um it taught me that it's okay to be the bad guy sometimes, and sometimes you have to make the tough decisions. And that's one of the things that I've really tried to to emphasize with my NCOs and tried to you know lead by example by showing them like, hey, it's okay to make unpopular decisions if it's the right call for the flight and it's going to make us more effective. Um, I was talking to the, the colonel here earlier, and um, really, you, you'll come across a lot of people in the Air Force and even in the Air Force Medical Service that will make the argument that, Hey, you know, know your people. We're, we're a family. You know, we got to take care of each other. And I think that's true to a point. But there are certain points in time where as NCOs, as senior NCOs, we have to do some things and take some actions that maybe you wouldn't necessarily do to a family member um, in that you're going to have to make some tough decisions and maybe advise the commander that it's time to show this person the door. It's time to kick them out, right? You wouldn't kick someone out of your family necessarily. But if someone isn't the right fit for the job or if they are not performing to standard or if they're clearly not getting it and after multiple opportunities they have demonstrated that they either can't be trusted or they just can't perform it's time to decertify them it's time to take administrative action it's time to deny re-enlistment whatever it may be um and that was probably the hardest lesson that i had as an mti because i remember when i first started out down there like i thought i was going to save the world Right. Like my first three, four flights, like when I had a trainee come to me and say, oh, I want to quit, you know, oh, I, I can't do this anymore. Oh, and, you know, and they're in tears and I want to go home. And, and it's like, how dare you? Like I'm here spending all these hours here away from my family trying to train you right now. And you have the guts to come to me and say, you want to quit? Like, who are you? <laughs> um, 
And then once I kind of got past that, like I came to the realization that like you can't save everybody. You can't. And I, I'll never forget, you know, <laughs> there, there was one trainee. I, I'll call him trainee Smith. His name wasn't trainee Smith, but trainee Smith like just could not get his life together. And I put him in the day room. I put him in front of the flight. The flight was frustrated at, with him. They were having to carry him. And, uh, I gave, you know, one of those long drawn out MTI speeches about, hey, how many of you are frustrated with him, but how many of you would like to see him get a fair shake? Like how many of you want to see him have a chance? All right. And I gave him a chance and not 72 hours later, he's gone out of the flight. And I was so frustrated and I took it so personally, like I had personally failed. Um, but it really wasn't me, right? Like in that job at some point, like you're basically, you know, one of your responsibilities is kind of to call the herd. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that doesn't really change because there are some people who make it through BMT, who make it through tech school, right? And if they can't continue to adapt, then you have to advise the commander like, hey, sir, hey, ma'am, it's probably time for this person to go. Yeah, so. exactly. I agree with you. And then, so it's interesting. So you were in a, in a time frame between, um, what did you say, 2010 through almost 2015, correct, yes. that you were there? So during that time frame, did you see a shift in generation as far as how they receive things? And then how, how did you have to adapt to that? And then also how coming out of that kind of environment, what tools did you use from there in, in the operational air force when you came back? So I think that out of that entire time period, the biggest tools that I brought back were you know, it was my ability to interact with different personalities, right? So before that change happened, right, everything was very results driven. Like, what are you producing? What are the results? I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily worried about how you produce those results, right? You can be as mean and as vicious as you want to be. You can, you know, just get them from point A to point B as quickly as you possibly can. Um, And we did, and we were really good at it. We were highly effective at it, right? Once everything kicked off with that scandal, uh, it became much more focused on how do we interact with each other? Mm-hmm. How are we, what, what is the, the standard that we're setting for these airmen in how they interact with each other and, and what is, what is considered professional conduct, mm-hmm. basically? Um, and so the emphasis came away from maybe some of the, hey, you need to produce these results to, okay, how were you trying to train them to produce these results to begin with? Um, so, I will say that that the MTIs that were down there during that time period, um, and this is not a dig against your generation of MTIs <laughs> at all, at all. But I, I do think that those of us that were there and were able to operate under the older system, where um, we were working the hundred plus hour work weeks, and we were yes. we were in the grind, and we were spending time away from our families, and and we were truly and sincerely like devoted to the job. Um, those of us that were there during that time period and through the transition and who were able to adapt, right, who were able to change, kind of alter our training methods um, to what was the new norm, um, we became some of the most effective MTIs that I think BMTs ever produced. I, no, I actually totally agree with you. So I did, you know, I, I am the older generation of MTI where it's a certain kind of way, right. certain kind of breed of individual. Yes. And after you all went through all that stuff, I give it to you because I don't think that um, the older generation could do a transition like that and be as effective and efficient as you guys were. So, But on the flip side of it, I will say, I think, you know, if you go and you look at the numbers and you look at the training schedule now, there's about 
MTIs that go through down there now, you know, they do the best that they can possibly do with the environment and the and the, the rules that they have placed upon them. There's about 500 hours less of training time that they go through in their certification process compared to what we had gone through. Um, so they are ultra professional. Um, they are, and it's just it's different. The emphasis on on standards is coming back now. If you see the changes that are coming through with the BMT curriculum yes. that's coming through, right? But it's it's weird. It's it's a revolving door. Everything changes, but everything stays the same exactly. at the same time. So. I agree. I agree. So. I know that we're, you know, we're kind of like talking about um, you, what you bring back to the Operational Air Force. I keep saying yes. Operational Air Force, but yes. to your career field as yes. far as the airmen, how have they been receptive to these things? I know it med, med group is different. It's a different kind right. of environment, right? So, but you've interacted with different kinds of airmen other than them. So it depends on the airmen. It, it does, right? <laughs> it does because personalities right. mean something, right? right? So it does depend. Um, have you? knowing having that label of MTI on you, do you normally get people that shy away from you? I know I did in the beginning. So, cause so, we are people, they, they don't understand that, I guess. Initially. Yes. Right. Cause of course, you know, I have my campaign hat in yeah. my office and I get him in the in process and everything. And initially they, they look over and they're like, wait a second, what's, what's happening right now? Who is this guy? How did you get that? Right. Exactly. But realistically that falls on me then to go ahead and, and open up those lines of communication, right? Um, I mean, realistically, as a senior master sergeant, right, th those brand-new airmen are probably going to react in a similar manner just based off the rank and the position anyways. Yes. Um, so I like to think that I have enough self-awareness to know when, you know, an airman is is intimidated or is shying away from me, right, and I can go up and say, hey, what's going on? Um, I probably don't catch it 100% of the time. Uh, but, but, yes, that is... It is a challenge to be labeled as an MTI. Yes, so. I do agree with you. So has everything always been so smooth sailing as far as, you know, being an MTI and then also transitioning into, you know, your position now as a superintendent over at the 87th MSG or uh, Med Group? Yeah. No. AMDS. AMDS. MDS. There I'm we go. I'm not, uh, I'm not Med MDS. Group no. Okay. So, um. It's never been smooth. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> no? No. No, it's never been smooth. It's always been, um, and part of that I think is maybe my personality, right? Uh, I remember when they first really started trying to bring on deliberate development and emotional intelligence training down at Lackland. Yes. Um, the BMT superintendent used to do every Friday, um, the flights that graduated, he would call the MTIs over to the group building and, uh, he would talk to all of us and he brought these deliberate development people in once. And, and, you know, the question that was asked to us was, how do you define su success? And they got to me and I just looked at him and I was like, chief, I, I honestly don't know because I'm don't think I'm ever satisfied. Right. Like even if my flights scored perfect scores, even if we were the yes. honor flight, even, like I know myself <laughs> well enough to know that I would not be happy. I would still find something that I would tell that flight you need to do better on. Right. Yes. So that piece of my personality, I think has kind of stayed with me, right? Like anytime I go into a new job or new position, like I'm always looking for something that is, that could be improved or that could be better. Um, so I guess it, you know, by most standards, I guess it's been pretty smooth, but I, I always am 
I'm never You're always reaching for yeah, more, I right? Know, yes. Right? Like it's so never I, enough. I think that is a type of personality for a, a lot of people in special duties or, you know, in general, right. a lot of those A-type personalities who just, they just want to make everything just a little bit better. Right. right? So before we close, I do have one more question for you. All right. Do you recommend special duties to our younger airmen? Yes. And, and I wouldn't say, I mean, I would never say like, Everyone needs to be an MTI. Yes. I think that the MT, I think that the the special duty that is pursued should be based on what the member needs to work on personally. Right? Wow! Yeah, I would okay. say um, that it is going to give you a, a different perspective on leadership. Right? It's going to pull you out of your career field. Maybe you're going to lose some of your technical abilities, but what you will bring back to your career field will pay dividends tenfold. Um, and don't just go for a special duty because you think it's going to be advantageous for your career, right? Yes. I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this special duty so that it helps me become a mass sergeant or a senior mass sergeant or chief mass sergeant. And that's not the right answer. If you're trying to pursue a special duty for that reason, then your motivation is wrong. Um, but if you go in there saying, I'm going to become a better person, and not only am I going to become a better person in the process, I know that I'm going to be helping grow the next generation of airmen or NCOs, you know, or I'm, if you go and become a first sergeant, right, then it's kind of airmen, NCOs, senior NCOs, everyone, you know. Exactly. Um, but what is it that is going to challenge you and make you better and make your career feel more beneficial when, or be beneficial to your career feel when you come back? Thank you so much. Those are actually great words. So right now we're just going to wrap up this episode with Chief Select Anderson. I love saying that again. And this is a, so just want to shout out to everybody and let everybody know that um, the month of January is coming up and that is the month of mentoring. So please look out for the upcoming marketing stuff from FSS. And this is uh, Masarn Han from the 87th MSG. Hello everyone. This is Lieutenant Colonel Clark with a few final notes. So first off, thank you to our first guest producer, Master Sergeant Han. If you're interested in producing an episode, reach out. We'll get you all set up and hosting a podcast. Also, I'd like to thank Chief Master Sergeant Select Anderson for telling us about special duty assignments and his experience as an MTI. Next, we're not going to leave you without a golden nugget. For this episode, it's going to be a little more challenging. So this time, the the challenge for you all out there is to get four of your friends or coworkers to sign up for MSG texts. To sign up for the texts, you have to send FACTOR, F-A-C-T-R, to 95577. So again, that's FACTOR to 95577. So what we want you to do is send in the names of the people you you signed up along with just the last four digits of their phone number. So not the full phone number, just the last four digits so we can just verify that those folks have signed up. So again, the gold nugget nugget for this episode is get four of your friends or coworkers to sign up for the MSG texts. Send that into your commander and then, again, a half-day comp book out there available to, to everyone. And a final note, we had the MSG commander's call this week and... A big shout out to the cons team for winning the MSG morale streamer. Nice work team, and it's up in our office, so so come take a look, admire it, and maybe with enough spirit, you all can win it next time. With that, have a great holiday season, everyone. Stay safe and take care of each other.